You're listening to Open Data Discussions, where we will share stories on sustainable open data, effective programs, and most of all, effective leadership. My name is Jason Hare, the Open Data Evangelist for Open Data Soft, and I'll be the host of this series. Today on our show, I'm joined by Sam McClenney, Open Data Program Manager for the City and County of Durham. Welcome, Sam. And Sam, can you introduce yourself for those that might not know you as well as I do? Sure. I'm uh, Sam McClenney, the I guess you could call it the lame duck open data program manager for the city and county of Durham. Uh, in my second to last day, but now I've been the open data program manager since January and I've uh, seen a lot, done a lot, and been happy to be part of two great organizations where I've been able to open some data, build relationships, and also just build uh, a lot of internal data capacity for both organizations. So that, I think, sums it up in about 30 seconds or so. Well, thank you for that. And yeah, it is your penultimate day on the job. So um, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Uh, I know you're probably pretty busy wrapping up a lot of projects and then, you know, you're getting ready to move across the country. I mean, you have a pretty busy week. So your open data program has made some great noise around uh, data literacy through the establishment of a Durham Data Academy. Um, How did that come about? Sure. So it actually came about through our uh, relationship with what works cities. And so I know you talked to some other work cities. You talked to Carrie and Greensboro, who are both in the program and some other cities, specifically San Francisco, who's also actually not a what works cities, but they've helped a lot out a lot with it, have created data academies within their organizations where they help employees who have a lot to offer the organizations build up their data skills so that they can do basic data analysis within their own departments. And so how it came about was I started a conversation with some Work City organizers around how we could bring something similar to Durham. And we just kind of very grassroots uh, created a program in partnership with uh, the, I think it's the School for Government Excellence at Johns Hopkins. And then also Greensboro, who I think you interviewed Jason Marshall a few episodes ago. And so I worked with him on it actually. And we over two days did a two day data academy where employees from Durham and Greensboro could come in and, just kind of build their data skills and have conversations around data. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I did talk to Jason Marshall. Um, uh, I was at the What Works Cities event, and uh, I gave him a lift to pick up his car uh, from a, a, you know, he had a breakdown on, on the way to Charlotte. And so we actually talked about his role in the Data Academy. And then, yeah, we interviewed him on this podcast here. So have, how, many, uh, how many folks from Greensboro and Durham have been through the Academy? So I think in Durham, we had anywhere between, I think it was 50 to 60 people go through it, um, go through a day-long program. And I think Greensboro had about 20. Theirs was smaller, and they did a little bit differently. But, yeah, we had a – I mean, and we had even more apply. I would say we had anywhere from 70 to 80 apply, and I actually had to close the application down early because, you know, we wouldn't have enough room to fit everybody. And we had people reach out to me by email asking why the application was down. So. I mean, and this was over a maybe two to three week period. I think if we had had a month or, you know, a month and a half um, and weren't rushing to kind of get it done because as we were handling logistics, I was about to go on vacation. So I think if we'd had two months to just handle everything, I think we easily would have had over 100 applicants. That's, that is really amazing. And, you know, it really does, you know, uh, 
really speak highly to the amount of work that you managed to get done in, in a year because um, I know the town of Cary and some of the other folks in the triangle have reached out to ask me about this Durham Academy. I'm like, well, you have to talk to Sam about that. He, he set that up, right? So uh, you're definitely uh, putting Durham on the map. So um, we also have uh, a letter from the Civil Analytics Network. So have you had a chance to read the Civil Analytics Network's open letter to the open data publishing community? And what do you think of it? So I did. Actually, I think it came out early March, and this was right after I started. And funnily enough, I think I made, when I read it, a very snarky comment that is no longer on Twitter um, about it. And as, as all my tweets are now gone, actually, uh, clear my history of all that. But no, yeah, I read it. And I actually, let me preface this by saying I met many of the people in the civics, civic analytics network, and they do a lot of great work. And, you know, a lot of them are doing stuff way beyond what Durham's doing. And whether it's uh, Joy in San Francisco, who I've had contact with and who has gratefully lent us documents to use for our data academy and for some of our standard operating procedure, or others in Michael in Louisville, um, runs a great program. Oliver is no longer with New Orleans, but is in uh, with Socrata, has a great just work plan for how they do analytics projects. You know, all those cities are doing great work. And so let me preface it with that. I think. When I read that letter, I didn't disagree with anything in it. And I think my problem was, I don't think it was, a, it was strong enough, actually. You know, it talks about improving accessibility and usability, which is something I always talk about. You know, talking about treating geospatial data as first-class data type, metadata, effort put into publishing. I agree with all that. What I took issue with was I thought it could have been more direct to who it was trying to target. Um, you know, and I'm looking at the letter right now, actually, and it targeted specifically the open data community, including vendors, startups, civic groups, and engaged individuals. You know, based off conversations I've had with people across just the open data community, one of the biggest challenges we face is a true number one great option for publishing data. Um, there's just nothing that's great. There's a lot of good to decent to kind of mediocre, but, you know, Nothing that's just exceptional stands out for different reasons. All of them have their plus and minuses, but, you know, I think it's just very hard at this point to publish data for the consumption of residents or internal users. Uh, and so I actually agree with the letter. I just think it would have been much better placed to have been kind of more direct with how, what they were asking, I guess. That's actually, that's very well said. One of the things I thought about as I was reading the letter and I want to get your feedback on this. So I thought about the content management business, right? So CMSs have been around for about 25 years, well, almost 25 years. And, um, you know, there was a time when there was, a, you know, Interwoven and Vignette and all these uh, or, uh, big giant CMS platforms where you can publish content. Um, and the, the problem was these were mediocre tools themselves, but there also was a lack of, focus on, for example, information architecture, uh, tagging up pages so that the metadata was correct, you know, employing a decent search engine, you know, not thinking about the user experience, right? And now finally UX is starting to become a, a thing now. Do you think we're kind of in that, we're in a 
uh, nascent phase of maturity in terms of data publishing? Is that maybe what what the issue is? Well, and you actually bring up a really good point. I think it's a twofold issue. Um, you know, I, I do think one of the issues we kind of face when it comes to open data publishing platforms is there isn't a premium on user experience. You know, I, there's rarely anything I do I put up or you know, just not to plug or to my own horn, you know, we just made our new open data portal design public. You know, that went through so many iterations and so many versions where we went to people and got feedback on the usability and how it was. And is this what you want to see? Is this how you want stuff organized? And we, we try to do that as much as possible. And so I think that's part of it. And I don't think publishers, I think publishers are so focused on putting in all the bells and whistles that they don't think of, you know, is this just usable and is it truly accessible, which should be the number one point full stop. And then I think the other issue is, you know, um, and this is maybe in defense of publishers is, yes, I think we could have better publishing platforms, but part of the other issue is what we're trying to put into these platforms is just in such bad quality. I mean, and that's nobody's fault. It's just, we've been doing, you know, we've had government for so long and we've never felt a need to have data at a certain level until now where this movement of open government and data-driven decision-making and results-based management are now so prominent. And so now that the data, now we need data to meet a certain criteria, we're almost hoping that these publishing platforms will get us there without thinking we need to, on the front end, change how we're doing handling data management, data quality, and metadata. That's, those are very good points. Uh, I think there's a lot of um, newspaper stories or at least online stories just uh, this week about, about issues like that uh, regarding accessibility and the user experience and uh, those kind of things. So, so speaking of data quality, um, <clears throat> or does your program work on ensuring open data quality? And if so, what are some of, some of the steps you make in ensuring sound data governance? So, and as I'd said, we had forked some documents from San Francisco, which we're so grateful for. Um, a lot of, they, they have some great data governance just as far as how they handle data management, the relationships and the hierarchy for data governance within their open data program. And we're in the process of, and hopefully this will continue once I'm gone, adopting a lot of that, whether it's improving our open data policy or you know, having standard operating procedures for how the program works. And so I think having just a standard for who's responsible for what is a big start. But then, you know, open data quality, I think, rarely comes down to as much as having a process or as much as having a business value for that data that ensures people need it to be of a certain quality. And so something I've tried to do is make a point of convincing departments that they need this data to be of a certain quality, not because of resident consumption, but because it will come around to benefit them in some way, whether it's helping them improve processes, identify bottlenecks, or just do basic data analysis that right now their data might not be clean enough to do properly. And so it's much more than just having good data quality to have good data quality. It's having good data quality to have that true business value within departments and for hopefully residents down the line as well. Very good points. Um, so I, it sounds like what you're saying is that data quality for data quality's sake isn't really what you're all about, which is great to hear. Uh, so then uh, the value, it sounds like, uh, might be internal performance management. So 
If so, what role does open data play in regards to internal performance management? Well, and this kind of comes down to the where data quality connects them. And, um, you know, I work with our Office of Performance Innovation in the city very frequently and strategic initiatives over at the county. And we've combined a lot of our efforts because, I mean, for to have a good open data program, you have to have good data quality and have good internal performance management. You have to have good data quality. And so, you know, the benefits of good data quality come to both of us. And so what we found is by aligning our efforts and making sure we're not trying to duplicate what other departments have to do around data, we've been able to kind of combine forces, align resources, and find a path for where we're just a generic data program within the city and county where open data is part of it, performance management is part of it, data analytics is part of it, business intelligence is part of it. And they all kind of plug in and coexist and kind of raise each other up where um, the whole is greater than the combined individual pieces. Oh, okay. So, so I, I understand that this is a city and county effort. Mm-hmm. And, uh, how, how does that, how does that governance model work? Like how does, how do decisions get made and how, how does your, how's the open data program set up? So it's got its good points and its bad points. I think the great thing is there's not a source of data that you don't really have access to because you have access to both city and county data. And along with that, you have access to a wide variety and diverse array of individuals who can get you access to data and can be part of kind of your movement to open data and be more data driven. And so I think it's great in that respect. And as far as how it's managed, I report to the CIO of both the city and the county and decisions have to kind of go through both of them rather than just one person um, to make sure that what I'm doing benefits both organizations because as they both kind of a 50-50 stake in it, they want to make sure it's as equal as possible as far as the benefit that both organizations are doing are getting. And luckily, because both organizations are so closely aligned, that happens more often than not. Um, you know, at the same time, it can be a little tough to try and make sure we're balancing things 50-50, even though most things kind of align to it. And it can also just be hard just as far as, uh, you know, trying to bring both organizations together, you know, not everybody's always willing to, and it makes sense, you know, people are within departments are sometimes tough to get to communicate with each other. And so getting them across organizations to talk to each other can be even more difficult, but it's definitely, I think a great idea and a benefit just thinking about what we have access to and the combined resources of both organizations. Very cool. Um, so do you have to go to county commissioner meetings and city council meetings sometimes? No. So I didn't need to in my time here. I think if I had stayed a little bit longer, it would have happened more. Um, we were very kind of, well, I shouldn't say we were uh, in the shadows trying to run the program because we got a lot done and we, I think we exposed the program to more people. Um, you know, it was just very much strategic in how it was being managed and it was focused on a lot of the operational stuff. And so, you know, they have an updated policy now that might go in front of council or commissioners, um, same with some of the SOPs and stuff. And I think as they try and move more towards being not just an open data program, but just a general data program, I think um, city council and county commissioners will have more say into that, especially because, I mean, I think the next step is I think they should hire a chief data officer for both organizations. And so if that were to happen, then that would definitely go to them. Oh, okay. So you mean like a chief data officer that oversees data for the county and the city, or there would be separate 
chief data officers? Um, gosh, that would be a decision that would definitely be beyond my pay grade. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would. I mean, I think if the organizations are willing to commit to being collaborative, you could have somebody do both, assuming you probably also bring on a data analyst to help. Um, assume, you know, knowing that they're gonna have to work for both organizations. But, you know, I love the collaborative model they have going on. I think it's great. I think it's something that could be used elsewhere when possible. And so I would love to see the data program be holistic across both organizations if they're willing to collaborate on it. Well, very, okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, sorry, didn't want, didn't want you have to speak above your pay grade there. Oh, no, 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 I, I say that, I always say that as a joke. I don't, I mean, <laughs> it's all good. Uh, so in a few, few, just in a few short years that I've known you, so I think we met in 2015. Yeah. Uh, um, you've done a lot to impact the triangle and in the open data movement here uh, and probably somewhat beyond as well. Um, what do you think uh, made that happen? So, you know, I've thought about this a lot, you know, obviously since I'm coming up on my last day, I've thought a ton about how kind of I've come to here and how much has changed in just the open data community in the triangle and in North Carolina. Um, you know, I think it came down to a few things. One, I think it was believing people wanted to move in this direction. I think it's easy as one person to say, Oh, I'm just, a maverick or an individual, nobody else thinks this way. And I never thought that. I thought people wanted more transparent government. I thought people wanted more data-driven government. And so if you just say that, you'll attract the ears of other people who believe it as well. And you create a community and a coalition around it. Um, I think another thing that helped was my belief in collaboration. So I never thought I needed to reinvent the wheel. So much of what I've done was done by other people. And I just kind of took it and made so few changes to adapt it to what Durham's needs were. And so that was a big one. And then finally, I think it was finding those who are visionaries and giving them, you know, the boost they need to help them get that vision out there around data. And so I always took a meeting with anybody who wanted to talk data, whether it was in Durham, Chapel Hill, Raleigh, whatever, you know, it's about giving people the voice and listening to them and making them feel like their opinion is valid and not just valid, but brings value to their community and organization. Wow, well said. Um, so I was at your Civic Spark uh, event and uh, uh, it was really neat. Uh, I gotta share my, my favorite um, sound bite from that uh, was the, the Twitter comment. Um, if anybody still uses Twitter, and I was thinking, yeah, I think every open data person on earth uses still uses Twitter. But uh, the, the event was pretty cool. After that, on Twitter, somebody tagged you as Mr. Open Data. So what is, how did you get <laughs> tagged as that, and what's the story behind that? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I, first off, a little sidebar. My, I was hanging out with my girlfriend and her roommate the other day, and they, they got access to my Twitter somehow, and they got that. And this is now a running joke for them. Um, I'm actually in my girlfriend roommate's phone now as Mr. Hashtag Mr. Open Data. So um, I think that I owe that uh, favor to, I think it was Ben Kittleson, who's a analyst in budget management, ser management services in the city. And I've worked with him on a bunch of stuff, both with what works cities and with some other general data things. And I think he coined it on Twitter after he saw me speak at one of the events. Um, and so, and then I, I think you took, 
it on and Ian took it on and somehow it's been overused now. And I would definitely never refer to myself as that as there are people like you have been doing it much longer and have had much more of an impact who are much more, uh, I think, deserving of it. But uh, it's definitely a, a funny name to have, uh, although I guess I'll have to retire it now. Well, yeah, I guess you will have to. It's your uh, penultimate day as Mr. Open Data. Yeah. Uh, not sure what you're going to get tagged in San Diego as, but hopefully it's something as cool as that. <laughs> um, so we're kind of getting down toward the end here, but um, I wanted to ask you if you have any advice for those that want to get into open data program management or just get into open data. Um, the reason is I had a, a kid from North Carolina Central University come up to me at a speaking gig that I was at a few weeks ago um, and asked me, how do I participate? And I gave him the Code for America uh, email addresses. But mm -hmm. uh, what about for somebody that wants to get into actually managing a program for a city? What, what advice do you have for them? Yeah, so uh, first things first, there's a position opening very soon in Durham if someone is looking. <laughs> um, and so there's that. No, I mean, it's, and this is something, and we go back on this, I struggled for so long, I spent forever trying to get into this, um, you know, literally years trying to get a position as an open data program manager. And this position alone, I think I applied for two or three different times. And in fact, the time I applied and got it, I actually got denied originally, and I had to send an you know, just a proposal out to the CIOs, you know, with my ideas for it and had, you know, was fortunate enough that they reposted the position, let me apply for it and got it through that. Um, and so one, I think, I think it's not giving up on thinking you can be a part of it. Um, and so being persistent in this world and being, uh, being persistent in government and open data, I think is hugely important. I think it's also building a coalition and finding those people who can teach you the skills you need to be better than what you are now. So whether it was, you know, you originally or Ian Henshaw was a big help or any of the people who are part of the community, you know, I'm going to open up a list right now um, of people who I think were helpful. Eric Jackson, Chris Matthews, Jason Hibbets, you know, all these people who are part of Code for America, who've been doing it a lot longer and gave me the opportunities to speak and talk about what I do and my beliefs and what we're doing. Um, identify those people and learn from them because they're the ones who will teach how to get there. Um, you know, I never turned down a conversation with somebody who wanted to learn more about open data. And I can't think of anybody else who's been doing it longer who has either. And so take the opportunity to learn from people who've been doing it. Well, you know, you're a part of the history now of, of open data in this region. Um, I know that uh, Jason Hibbs recently published uh, eight years of city camp and, you know, he mentioned a lot of folks along the way and now you're, you're part of that tapestry of people and events that kind of make this area so special, right. And mm -hmm. all the different platforms that are, that are here. So, um, thank you for all your hard work and your effort. And, uh, uh, you know, best wishes to, to what's coming next for you. Um, is there any uh, final parting comments on your second to last day as open data program manager for Sydney County of Durham? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the one thing I would say, and I think this is the issue people run into in government and, and trying to make, you know, change culture and make their organization more data driven. 
I promise anybody within local government, they are not the only person within their organization who believes in open data or being data-driven. There is just no way they are the only one. You can be in a tiny town, tiny city, whatever. You are not the only one. So if there's at least one other person, you need to find them, listen to them, share stories with each other, and create a tribe and coalition at which you can grow this movement. Um, that's what, that would be my piece of advice. That's what I've tried to do here. I think that's where our success has come in Durham and will continue to come, not from one person, but from the coalition of people who believe in being data driven and believe in government transparency and open government. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I, I really like the word tribe. I, I watched you speak at all things open and, uh, you use that word in your presentation and, and, uh, I, I really like that term. I, I think it really speaks to the kind of community that we're trying to build as open data practitioners. You know, we want it to be inclusive. We want it to be uh, diverse and we want it to be, uh, you know, like, like a friendly, non-scary place. Right. So mm -hmm. uh, I think it's people like you that really make that happen. So on that note, uh, we're going to end this podcast. So I'd like to thank you all very much for joining us today for this podcast. Uh, this will be a twice monthly series. So you can expect us once again in a couple of weeks to share more stories on effective open data programs and stay tuned by subscribing to the open data soft newsletter on our website, www.opendatasoft.com and by following us on social media. Find us on Twitter at OpenDataSoft or on LinkedIn or Facebook. Thank you again. We'll be in touch soon. Sounds great.